bow our heads together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for uh, the leadership here in our church, just even having James step up last week. But Lord, especially as we look at 1st and 2nd Corinthians and even our message today as we hear about people breaking bread together in their homes, Lord, we ask you to open up our hearts. Um, not just to let other people in, but Lord, to let you in. Help us to live as people that are redeemed by you and uh, to seek to take that opportunity to share that same message with others. We thank you for Paul's words here in 2 Corinthians. Um, allow them to inspire us to continue to live, to glorify you in all things. pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 All right. So we'll get started here. Uh, I wrote in this one, I'm going to, I don't want to, what do I want to say? I don't want to just plow through it for the sake of plowing through it, but I will make sure we try and get to the end a little bit because we don't have class next week. So that would be a bummer to be like a cliffhanger. You know, the end of chapter 12. What happens? We never got to it. Read the book. You can always read it. Exactly. You got the whole thing, right? It's in English. So again, thank you, James and, and Sherry, for helping out with telling with telling a story. But thank you for leading that last week. Appreciate oh, absolutely. it. Absolutely. Kept us on track. If we would have canceled that last week, we wouldn't have made it. Uh, so chapter 10 into chapter 11, I put a running start over here because we need to kind of recall a lot of things as we go into these last chapters. Paul's going to make a lot of references, even to earlier in 2 Corinthians. We're talking chapter 2 and chapter 4. A lot of references back to everything he's written. And that's what also provides a lot of evidence for the fact that this is a letter in its entirety. When you read all these other scholars are saying, this could be five letters written. You know, this could be two letters. This is a different letter here. It's like, well, read the end of it, and you'll realize, oh, no, he's like talking about what he talked about in chapter 2 and chapter 4 and chapter 5. It's like, this is one letter, and you really start to get a sense of it here. But chapter 10 into chapter 11, the people of Corinth are being too easily lured, um, lured away from, from true teaching, right? Because they're, uh, we mentioned, like, kind of impressive, attracted the complex teaching of these super apostles. Something I, I wrote, I don't know if James got to this note, the perception of value was uh, in something they didn't actually understand. Sometimes we feel like if something costs more, it must much be better. Or that if you have to work harder for it, that will make it better. Uh, and I said, what if we started charging tickets uh, at the door for church on Sunday? Would that make, would all of a sudden people perceive our church as being better than other churches because we have to charge for it? It's like, hmm, I don't know. And Paul, Paul I mean, you go, hmm, exactly like that. But that's what these super apostles were doing. And that all of a sudden gives a, a crowd a, a, uh, a perception of that good or whatever your, your service you're providing must be better because you charge more or because you charge, period. So when the, like all the criticism comes up of Paul being like, oh, you don't even charge, you don't, you just do it for free, because even it, it, it's that idea of if you started charging, no one would listen to you. That's what super apostles or these these false teachers would essentially be teaching these other people. And Paul's saying, I didn't charge, or I didn't ask for funding, I didn't ask for salary to lower every possible barrier so everybody would have access to the gospel. That's what he's about. That's what we're about today, and that's the foundation the church stands on. If you have to go to a church and you got to pay at the door, turn around and run, <laughs> right? That 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 is a <laughs> that is a bad sign, <laughs> right out the gate. Unless it's like you know a, a concert for blah 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 blah, you know, and they charge tickets and they're renting the facility. That's different. But like if if for a worship service, if they're charging you at the door, turn around and run, because uh, that's what they were kind of essentially doing here. Again, you sought to lower barriers. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 11, 12 through fourteen. This is great. What I am doing, I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission, they work on the same terms as we do. And he's... Yeah, that doesn't sound like they 
Doesn't sound like they do. And why do you think I put that verse on above anything else in our society today, especially our, our geographical locale, based off of where our church is and other affiliated organizations that claim to be churches near us? Right? So I mentioned that to you because I wrote it in my study Bible at home. It's funny. I, I got, I don't know how many of these I have. And they're all marked up and written in. And, you know, people are signed. They're like, I thought you liked the Bible. What did you do to this one? I'm like, I, I love it. That's why I write it all the time. I, I double underlined this. Like when I first moved to Idaho, I'm like, oh, that's what people are talking about. Yeah. So I, I, I mentioned that because, again, a lot of the same issues you encounter in Corinthians is, is not any different than what we see today. And it's, a, it's you know. You, you hear Solomon, you know, from Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. And yet, aren't you saddened a bit that we still have the same problem that we can't seem to grow out of, like in a sense of spiritual maturity? But Jesus also tells us that's exactly what's going to happen. So why would we, we be surprised? So there's our running start over here as we jump. Oh, no, you know what happens with that. you got to start all the way over again. The old double tap. We are getting new boards, by the way. Um, this year, it'll be great. Yeah, we were, uh, mm-hmm. D is, is, uh, one of them that's getting taught on it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, to, uh, for, for all the okay. potentials. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to teach other people, yep. Great, the view sonic board. So, uh, let's start at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, let's go 16 through 21. And we won't hit every single verse of every single chapter here, especially in 12, but... We could start at 16 if someone could read for me. I will. Thank you. I repeat, let no one take me for a fool. But if you do, then receive me just as you would a fool, so that I may do a little boasting. In this self-confident boasting, I'm not talking as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many are boasting in the way the world does, I too will boast. You gladly put up with fools since you are so wise. In fact, you even put up with anyone who enslaves you or exploits you to take advantage of you or pushes himself forward or slaps you in the face. To my shame, I admit that we are too weak for that. Thank you. You can pause there. Have you thought about taking up acting, James? That was well done. (laughs) Well done. So again, as, as we're getting this, he's preparing to play a little game, um, essentially, as he's writing this. You heard the sarcasm in James', in James voice as he read it. There's a lot of sarcasm in this. I compare it, do I, is, is this where I do it? Maybe I talk about it a little bit later. Oh, no, I talk about it here at the end, right? But as you go through, there's kind of two parts of this argument. Um, one of them is, have you ever presented, it? I'm going to tell you this, I'm not telling you this works really well, but have you ever in a situation, uh, this happens to David with Nathan. Right when he talks about uh, when uh, David sends off uh, uh, Bathsheba's husband to be killed oh, and, and takes, takes the wife as his own as an adulterer, and then Nathan comes up and presents to David his situation and exactly what he's doing so he could react to it. Uh, but he, he spins it slightly different, talks about a shepherd and sheep and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And David's like, I would kill him! And Nathan looks at him and like, that's you. Mm-hmm. Oh! <laughs> right? So when you present to somebody the the way that they're acting in a slightly different manner so they can react to it, that's what Paul's doing here. I'm talking to you, I'm going to talk to you in the way that you're being duped right now. Don't you feel foolish, right, in the way that I'm saying it. So, so you have that second to go, oh, okay. And then he, and the second part of it is like, I, I mentioned this, you have this kind of argument in your marriage, it never goes well. Um, 
<laughs> it's, it's the argument that is, hey, you know, we're not keeping score here on this, but since you want to go that way, yeah. let me tell you something. <laughs> and it's like, oh, man, don't know that when that pass, when you start seeing that trail, stop and go, we need, we need, let's go out for ice cream. We need, we need ice cream right now, <laughs> right? It's an ice cream emergency. But it's this idea of keeping score. And Paul's saying, is like, all right, you want to keep score? You know, they're talking about not necessarily the, their hardships or whatever they're going through, what they're boasting in. What are you boasting? Like, consider it. If you're going to go out and stand on a stage or a soapbox and you're going to boast in something about yourself, what would you say? Talk about how good you are, right? Right. Yeah, it, you, it's one of my least favorite things to do when we meet as pastors. And we do it all the time. And it, I, Jonathan knows when, when, when it starts, I go, like this, and he's like, just, he's like, keep your eyes in your head, just because <laughs> like, my eyes start rolling like this. It's when everyone stands up and says, everything's great. We got all these wonderful things happening, and we talk about how great our church is and how good we are. And I'm like, stop it. I'm like, I don't want to hear it, and I don't want to talk about it. Like, of course we have good things happening because we love Jesus and we're doing stuff yeah. for the sake of the gospel. That's good. I don't want to do that, though. Like, if we're going to pour into each other, let's pour into each other. I don't want to give you my resume. Like, and, and talk about things I'm doing. I'm not doing anything, as Paul will talk about later. It's all God doing stuff. I'm along for the ride, and sometimes I'm the ignition for the vehicle. Sometimes I'm a tire. Sometimes I'm the thing pouring gas in the tank. But, like, stop talking about it. Like, and, and, and sometimes you do gatherings, whether it's even LCMS pastors or it's kind of like the local pastors in the community. When that thing starts, I'm just like, oh, I get, I, I get so sick of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, but that it's talking about because it's not about keeping score. But Paul's going to say, hey, they're talking about how good they are. Fine. If they want to boast and keep score, let me boast for you and I'll keep score. And you see in 20 and 21, um, oh, oh, so we brought up marriage relationship because we'll get to about keeping score kind of in the next section. Um, Paul's sarcasm over here, 20 and 21. Again, talking about that marriage relationship real quick. This is good. For you bear, you bear it if someone makes slaves of you or devours you or takes advantage of you or puts on airs or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. What does he sound like? Because as Paul's using the sarcasm, what is he really saying? Just in that part. And consider, it, consider it in the context of a... He's still kind of on this ride of like a marriage relationship, talking about like an unfaithful um, spouse, so to yeah. speak, right? Yeah. You seem to like it when you're taken advantage of. You seem to like it when you're treated as a fool. You so like this relationship sounds like, and you kind of see it in the second line, what's the difference between a good husband and an adulterous lover? A big difference. There's a big difference, right? <laughs> a good husband's going to uh, treat you with respect, not call you a fool, do these good things for you. And he says, we were too weak for that. And by that, an adulterous lover, what is an adulterous lover trying to do? Wants you to give in to your desire. Right? It's all about giving in to your desire and telling you that your mm-hmm. desires are what's good. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily what's good is good. So did and he it, really mean he was too weak for it? I, I was too weak to take advantage of you, is what he said. Oh, yep. okay. Oh, I see. If that's the way to talk to you, then I was too weak to stoop that low. Mm-hmm. Yep. He wasn't real, like too weak. He's, they were more the weak ones. He's being right. strong to not take advantage of them. But do you see what he's saying? He's like, I was, if that's the only way to ever get through to you, then I am too weak to take advantage of you if that's the only way to talk to you, mm-hmm. to put on airs and, and to be all spectacle and no substance, that type of thing, right? And that brings us back to 11.14. Oh, that, we were supposed to read that before. But 11.14, I, that, that verse, 
I bring that up a lot. Meant to, meant to read it before this, sorry. But 11.14, Paul writes, And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, so it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond with their deeds. <laughs> Paul's meaning it, right? So what, and, so what does that phrase mean right there? That they're disguising themselves as an angel of light. They're wolf in sheep's clothing. They're, there you go, yeah. You know. You're getting the idea. A wolf, right. a wolf, uh, I'm just seeking to consume you, right? Satan clothes naked... Oh, this is from the Lutheran Study Bible over here, this note. It's a really good one. Satan clothes naked evil in attractive garments. That was really good. I think I, I think I had one more note on that in particular. Let me find it real quick. <coughs> Excuse me. Because sinful people still know the difference between right and wrong, Satan seduces them in his camp by making wicked deeds appear good. Right? right? right. It's if you can somehow justify it to yourself. And that's what he's talking about here. They are somehow justifying these things to themselves because they're saying, well, I guess they appear good because I want them to. Right, right, right. right. And it, like, it, go like ahead. a manipulative tactic. Exactly, yeah. yes. Yeah. So not only is it a manipulative ta tactic, what he's also saying is you're allowing yourself to be manipulated. Right, like, and like the, the, the whole abusive relationship. Yep, yep. And that... And that's a hard road to tread, you know, because of trauma and things like that. But you're 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 it on is. you're on a very similar path, right? right on a lot of the psychology of it. You're feeling like you deserve this abuse that you receive. Mm -hmm. You feel like, well, this is my fault. Mm -hmm. So, and and that is the same kind of manipulative tactic that these that they're you know when he mm -hmm. says they slap you in the face. I mm -hmm. mean, I'm I'm guessing metaphorically. Yeah. They slap you. That's that's abuse. Yeah, and it's, so, and instead of being like a good husband that would say, "I want, I'm with you, and I'll stand firm with you against these desires that right. you want to give into," compared right. to an adulterous lover that say, "Of course you want to give. In. These are good for you, right? You're <laughs> yeah. feeling these things. Why don't you give in?" So it's kind of that idea. That's where sarcasm is. So he's saying, instead of being one, I would never stoop so low. I guess I'm too weak for that. That even for the sake of something good, I couldn't stoop so low. Anything on that? Because right now he's about, he's about to keep score. Okay, good. So this is a big section, 22 through 33, if someone could read that for me. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have constantly, I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. 
I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Mm -hmm. Who is weak, and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin, and I do not inwardly burn? Is that the end? No, but you read the next part too. Oh. Mm -hmm. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weaknesses. Weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under King Arteus mm -hmm. had the city of the those people guarded in order to <laughs> it, says it says Damascus again in mine. Damascus, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. This is something different than yours. Um, mm -hmm. But I was lowered in a basket from a window in the wall and slipped through his hands. Oh, great. Thank you very much. Alright, so in the first part, right, verse 22, those, that sounds pretty boastworthy all of a sudden, right? He's talking about, like, these teachers must be of a similar status, so he's probably boasting the same things they do. They expect, uh, I forgot where I read it, but they suspect maybe they might have been uh, Palestinian Jews, uh -huh. is what they suspect. They're like, maybe these false teachers were Palestinian Jews, so they kind of had a similar status, and that's why Paul's repeating these things that sound boastworthy. It's like, well, are they saying that they're Hebrew? Well, so am I. A uh, child of Abraham, so am I, and even more. It's like, oh, those do sound like the things you'd be shouting on a soapbox saying, like, come and listen to me. But then what does he slip into? These are not the things that sound very boastworthy. Right. Oh, yeah, I've, been, I've, I've, I've received yeah. 40 lashes minus one three times. And, you know, 40 lashes minus one, so 39 lashes, they think the, the last lash would kill you. Yeah, yeah 40 lashes would kill you, so they'd give you 39 as punishment. No. It's like, I've been, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden, all these things are instances of weakness. Right? And that's what he says, what he's boasting in, right? Uh, what, what are the things you boast about? Why or why not? We'll kind of move along with that, right? I must boast. Again, he's comparing himself to the teaching styles of these false teachers. And I will boast of things that show my weakness, unlike false teachers. Why boast in these things? Why boast in things that show weakness? As I see you reading the verse I put up there. It's pro probably the good reason. Because <laughs> it shows God's strength. Absolutely. For your weakness. Yes, exactly. You know, when, when things are suspiciously too good, you, you got to kind of wonder. You know, not, not, I'm not condemning anything because there might be great things out there, but I think of like some like television evangelist kind of thing, you know, big curly <laughs> white teeth and the nice suit and all, and all the stuff. Call 1-800-555-4747 and you'll be blessed when you give $100 or more today. That kind of stuff. That's the... Ugh. Uh, you know, things that, like, that's a little fishy. But over here, you know, as he says, for, for God who said the light shines out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. And we talked about the fragility of a jar of clay compared to something more secure. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Because as, as that jar begins to crack and it gets to begin smashed the more and more the light within it shines right so paul's saying in my weakness jesus shown all the more not necessarily in my boasting so i tell you keep this bold section in mind because as we get to the next part and 32 33 that's straight out of acts 9 you can go back and read that as you see, I, I think it's a cool story. Being lowered down out of a basket. That's got to be a big basket, by the yeah. way. Or Paul's like a tiny man. <laughs> like, but that's a big basket. There's not many wicker baskets I think could hold me. Um, in like a wicker chair I sat in at my parents' house, barely. I, I got in it, and there was a lot of creaking. And that wicker chair has been there 
when I was a child, I'm like, I think it's got about one more sit in it, guys. <laughs> They're like, yeah, we don't sit in that chair anymore. Why did you let me sit there? Why is it here if you can't sit in there? Anyway, so it was right after Paul's conversion. That's kind of the closing of 11 that really leaps into 12. <laughs> Any questions on that in particular? Keep this in mind to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Right? That's why he's boasting in his weakness, and that's kind of the main highlight. And I, I would honestly say this plus one other thing in particular is one of the main themes of 2 Corinthians. Right? To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And that's why you can really identify a false teacher is when they're talking about how good they are and where their power is and where their boasting comes from. You know, Paul says, if I, if I boast in anything, all I can do is boast in the Lord, right? That's from earlier in Corinthians as well. Very good. We'll move on to the next one. Any questions? Anything you read? Okay. So we're getting another running start in the second Corinthians chapter 12 over here. So a couple things that you're going to want to recall. I put a verse up here from 2 Corinthians 10, 17 through 18. Oh, yeah, I'm going to combine these for you. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So we've already mentioned that, right? For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the, the Lord commends. So we have that. Then we have the tail end of the verse that we just worked on, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. To show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So you blend them together, and what do you get? And this is from 3 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, <laughs> verse 1. Chris Corinthians uh, <laughs> it's me. <laughs> so it's not from the Bible, but it is from the Bible. Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord, for it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. For we have these treasures and jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Not to us. Mm-hmm. You have another way you would say that? Maybe in a shorter way. How would you take that? Digest it a little bit. Take your time. But not too much. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it kind of, it, it kind of moves the responsibility of the gospel, the success of the gospel. Mm-hmm. It removes that from you. Yeah. Okay. All you're doing is you're just like a conduit. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. And so then if the responsibility isn't on you, then there's no pressure mm-hmm. on you. And um, it seems like to, to be someone who is, you know, all about themselves, that would be so much pressure. Yeah, That no, would for be sure. so, so hard to maintain. Mm-hmm. So that, and I know I'm not saying this in less words. <laughs> <laughs> No, you're, I, I, you're, there's a balance in what you're saying. So you're saying it's, it's not our responsibility. I, I'll say, yes, it, God is the one who creates faith in a person. It is exactly. not my job to create faith in yeah, you. Yeah, we don't save people. Yeah, yeah. But, what, but at the same time, all First and Second Corinthians talks about how we're living as those who are redeemed. Therefore, exactly. as you're talking about like being these means or this conduit, if we kind of use the word vehicle... Um, like I'm gonna make sure the vehicle's vacuumed and upkeep is done, and like oh, it's it's a it's a vehicle that <laughs> that's living as one that's redeemed, right? And it was redeemed by God. It's been purchased and paid for by God. But I'm gonna I'm gonna take care of it. You know, I'm not gonna live and, and treat it like trash or live contrary to the way that I've been saved, right? So I think you got kind of the first part really really easily. That last part, God is in control. Exactly. That's the easy one, right? God is in control. 
He uses us for whatever reason, even though we're fragile and weak. But that shows God's strength all the more. Right? Right, because, I, you know, the things that you intend to do, the things that you, you want to be really good at, mm-hmm. and, yeah, you just... We don't conjure these things on our own. No, you, you can't. Yep. And even, even in our screw-ups, mm-hmm. he uses those mm-hmm. to reach people. Oh, yeah. You wouldn't... And there, you there's would a... Never, you would never guess. And we won't talk a lot about the second half of chapter 12, but the second half of chapter 12 is a lot like that. You know, when he talks, oh, no, maybe it's, maybe it's the first. When he talks about the thorn, I think that's actually the first yes. part of 13. When he talks about the thorn in his side, like, why does God give him a thorn? Why does God give Paul an ailment that is severe enough for him to talk about, that he prays to God three times to take away, and, and God says, no, I, I give this to you so I can prove to you that my grace is sufficient enough for you. So that's why I don't take away this ailment. It's like, oh, okay. So God even using these things that we would, we, we would call evil, God uses all things for the good of those who love him. He doesn't cause these things to happen, but God can use it all. And all mm-hmm. of these things that are happening to Paul and all these things he identifies mm-hmm, mm-hmm. smacks in the face mm-hmm. of all these name it and claim it. Oh, yeah. Heresies that, that people, oh, yes, you should have a... You know, God wants you to have this good life. Okay, so your your definition of a good life and God's definition of a good life aren't the same. That's exactly it. Yep. So, yep. yeah. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God, God and not us. None of this is, a, I, I can't conjure anything up. It's not about me. What do we say? Oh, I say, what do we say? What do I tell people oftentimes? You need to get over yourself a little bit. <laughs> I keep telling you guys like the inside scoops from like like not necessarily inside scoops, but a lot of the the phrases I say in counseling appointments. You guys will never want to go to counseling with me. <laughs> okay, you need to get over yourself a little bit. You say that to people? Yeah. <laughs> Is that okay? Sometimes you have to. Well, it's, but it's yeah. true because you need right. to realize it's, it's not about us. Exactly. Have you ever heard How that eagle stands for edging God out? Ah, yeah. I did not hear that. Yeah, before. I always cool. that story sticks in my, mm-hmm. my brain that it's makes sense. It makes a lot of sense edging God out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's our running start. This I know this is very tiny writing because I put all of what we're going to talk about in chapter twelve on one slide. There's a YouTube, <laughs> his YouTube video. We may go back to it and we'll check it out. But let me kind of start at the beginning because essentially Paul. Just starts with a big list here in, in chapter 10. It's like boom, 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 boom. So overall, what is Paul, in, in the spirit of everything we just talked about, right, that the, over, the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. And he uses us as these fragile vessels, these jars of place, for some reason to show his light. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1, or third Corinthians, right? What is Paul trying to say here? Let's go through. Someone can read chapter 12, verse 1 through 10 for me. Thanks, Ken. I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know. But God knows, was caught up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, 
but I will not boast about my about myself except about my weakness. Mm -hmm. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool, because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. Now all the way to ten. Okay. Mm -hmm. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, and in insults, and hardships, and persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Thank you, Ken. Alright, so like we said, it's kind of just a slip. This boom, 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 starts right away. Who's he focusing on? Uh, he's like, I get visions and revelations. Who does he get them from? God. The Lord, exactly. He met Christ 14 years ago, and Paul claimed, he won't claim something that he doesn't really know or understand like some people would. And that's why I, I tell people often, that's what I love about being Lutheran. LCMS, Lutheran. Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, our doctrine. What I love about it is, if we don't know, we just say, I don't know. God does, though. Isn't that great? And it's like, I don't have to make up an answer. I don't have to make up a doctor. I don't have to tell you something that I don't find in Scripture. And that's exactly what Paul says here. Paul says, I don't know. But you know what's great? You know who does? God does. Isn't that cool? Right? I love not making up answers. I'm like, this is what we get from Scripture, but God only knows. And won't you be delighted when you find out in the end that you don't know everything? Um, Jesus went to heaven, right? And he explains it in the way that, like, uh, Greeks would and culture would understand. Then that's why he talks about, like, the third heaven and paradise and things like that, because they're, they're thinking of all like, like Roman-style heaven and, and, and like Greek uh, pantheons and stuff like that. So he's communicating them in like kind of their cultural lingo. That's why you're like, where's our third heaven? You know? It's like, well, we don't have like a third one. It's kind of have one, <laughs> right? But it's the way that they would understand it. Um, and Jesus went up to heaven. He was caught up in there, but, but who knows? I, I don't know how he got there, and I don't know well, he, the things that he knows no man will ever know. But you know who does know? God does. <laughs> Isn't this great? This is easy. Verse 5. On behalf of this man I will boast, but on behalf of my, on my own behalf I will not boast, except for my weaknesses. Um, and I'm like, wait, hold on. This sounds like 3 Corinthians. Ah, oh, nuts. This was in the Bible already. So I didn't make anything up, right? So that was one way in which, in which Paul's talking. He's like, I won't boast. In, the only thing I can boast is boast of my weaknesses, because everything is of the strength of God, and it's all his, not of my own, right? So we already have that. We're out of I guess I'm not writing another epistle. That would be <laughs> um, so we continue on over, though, if I should wish to boast, meaning, because he could, right? We're talking about Paul here. Like, he could boast. He's met Jesus. He's been on the road. He's seen miracles. He's performed miracles himself. Like, if anyone could boast, he certainly could. And not in the way that these other guys are boasting, yet he chooses not to, which is probably a good idea. Because um, nobody else could say that stuff, but he doesn't need to. And in fact... It's funny, he brings this up himself. In fact, because I mentioned to you before, like TV evangelists kind of think when things are too perfect, be suspicious, because Paul's saying, I could be the one to boast, but in fact, not only will I only boast of my weakness, I'm even given a thorn that, that God won't take away. Why is that? Well, probably for a lot of reasons. 
Probably one of them is keep me humble, right? I got people in my life who keep me humble. And like I look at them and go, what did you say that for? I don't know, keep you humble. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, right? But it's it's that kind of idea. He's been struck with a thorn in the flesh, right? Uh, And considering what they were saying, oh, sorry, this goes all the way back to chapter 10 and 11, what they said about Paul. He had an appearance of like bodily weakness. Um, his way of teaching and speaking, maybe he had a stutter or a stumbler, or he had a speech of no account, unskilled in speaking. He was literally a living testament of our perfection is in Christ and not ourselves. And I, I, need, the, I need that reminder all the time. And I, when I, I wrote that yesterday, even, and I went, I had to stop and go, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, just one of those moments, I'm like, my perfection is in Christ and not in myself. God, God, and man, I'll tell you what, being just, in the city of Chicago, love it, hometown. Um, this is much more my home now than that than that ever was. Because I'll tell you what, just like the way, and I don't need to get too into politics or anything like that, but just the way uh, we, we've edged God out of culture. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's so bad. And justified. In, in major cities and stuff, I'm mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. the things I had to explain to my children, I did not think I would have to. Yeah. And, wow. and essentially tell them to ignore. I'm just looking around like, man, Everywhere I go, right. and like I just had this moment of, like, <clears throat> what are we trying to do? I, I had this moment where we we're driving by so many churches in Illinois, and I'm looking like, how do all these churches get people to go to church on Sunday? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always said it out loud, and well, the answer is they don't. They got like ten or fifteen people in all these different churches, mm-hmm. and I, I was I like the last two days I was just so depressed, and I'm just like, oh, yeah. I'm like, what do I do for a career? What am I doing as a pastor? I feel I felt I felt useless almost to a point like when I was when I was there like a sense of depravity like and it was the right time to leave because I came back and like I wrote that and I'm like I gotta remember that it's not about me it's about Christ my perfections in Christ when because those you know just uh, the weeks of like these like the opposition seems just so overwhelming overwhelming. right you know yeah and it was just that's um, why we like to hang out here. <laughs> <laughs> well, hang out in God's Word, too. I'm telling yes, you, it, it's, you, you need it. And well, you need to saying here. Well, and it's, yeah, yeah, well, you, you yeah. need, to, you need, to, you need <laughs> to remember, especially like we're talking about this, you know, what does it mean to be the early church? Acts 2, 42 through 48, right? Uh, they ate together. They broke bread together in their yeah. homes and ate with gladness and sincere hearts, praising God yeah. and enjoying the company of all the people. It's like... They, you need that. And you got to remember that they had that so they could go out into the world and be able to face that kind of opposition and still evangelize to people. Because, man, like we think we got it bad now. There's still 2.4 billion Christians in the world, not 2.4 on my block. <laughs> you know, like, like they were experiencing at that time or 2.4 you know, thousand, <laughs> you know, that they were having day by day. And it's just like, oof. Anyway, I wrote that, and that was wonderful. And if you've ever seen that scene from The Chosen with Little James and Jesus, yeah. uh, that's a wonderful oh scene. That's gosh. what that YouTube clip is. Yeah. Um, it's worth seeing because Little James, he, he has like a paralyzed foot. Yeah. And he's, he oh, comes, yeah. do you remember the scene? Has, has everyone seen this? If yeah. you haven't seen it, yeah. I'll, I'll, send you the, I'll send you the link independently. Because even if you don't watch the show at all, this scene talks, it's essentially, a, uh, Jesus, why haven't you healed me? Mm-hmm. How can I go out and preach the word? How could I go out and evangelize I? to people when you haven't healed me? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a beautiful scene. Very well done. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it has to do with like what he says is, um, uh, like to little James, is because uh, the Father and I trust you with it. 
He's like, wow. we've given you this mission. Um, he's like, because I could heal you right now if you asked to be healed, but we trust you that when people see you and they see that you haven't been healed, that, that there's so much more to who God is than just healing. just yes. being healed and, and that this need for proof for people. That there's so much more to faith than that. Oh, he said that some people believe need healing to believe in Jesus. Some need signs and proof to believe in God. And that scene is very similar to what happens in verse 10 in the content that Paul is talking about because of all these things. And then chapter 11 now, for the sake of Christ. Remember, when Paul is weak, as a weak vessel, God shines all the more. Right? So that humility and that humbleness that he's talking about with this thorn that hasn't been healed, what is, what is it that Je And it's funny, Jesus says this to him again. So this isn't like the same visit he had with Jesus before. God is telling him this again. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So it's just that reminder, because we all have those moments where it's, uh, there's a thorn in our side, or the opposition is, oh, you, you just have that disparity of overwhelming opposition. And you're like, what am I doing anymore? Like, mm -hmm. like this being a Christian makes sense because I can't find another one anywhere. Is mm -hmm. kind of where I was at a point. Like, wh mm -hmm. what's going on? It's just these thoughts that go through your head. Just from my grace is sufficient enough for you. My power is made perfect mm -hmm. in your weakness. So it was exact. It was just what the doctor ordered right when I got back. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> 11 through 12, so this is the in-between because this was not part of our assigned reading plan, but I'll tell you what he says over here. Paul's saying, I'm going to come again. I got a third visit, and he goes back to that fatherly relationship, which you kind of need for the context of chapter 13. These are just a couple of highlight verses, right? I seek not what is yours, but you. For children are not obligated to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Hmm. Right? Oh, isn't that good? Right? Got, again, he's the father of this church. He's the father of these people. Goes back to that relationship he has with them. I, he, he's enduring all this persecution, all that huge list of being beaten, 40 lashes minus one, being stoned. I endure this. I will be spent for the sake of your souls, is what he's saying. That's that sacrificial love. This story is very, very cool. Oh, he, he makes this note. He personally, he takes personally some of their failures. He's like, and, and he prays that they're, you know, the, the failures that they, these people have for not listening to him and falling into this temptation. And he says, I pray that this letter changes your heart, because if not, I'm coming, and i got to be a lot more forceful when I get back. And you kind of say it in chapter 13, wait, wait till your father gets home. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's that kind of tone. And this, this was just in one of the commentaries I was reading. And I'm like, this story's so good, i got to share it. On one occasion, Abraham Lincoln and his counselors had to make an important decision. One of the counselors said, Well, Mr. President, I hope that God is on our side. Lincoln answered, What I'm worried about is not if God is on our side, but if we are on God's side. Yeah. Mm -hmm. wow. Now that's yeah. perspective, mm -hmm. right? And that's kind of Paul's big assurance here, to ensure that he's on God's side. And mm -hmm. like, I, his aim's not just to stand on God's side, but to bring people over to that as well. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's kind of that closing of chapter 12. 13, 1 through 10. I'll, I'll read. This is the third time I am coming to you. Every charge must be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. I warned those who sinned before and all the others, and I warn them now, while absent, as I did when present on my second visit, that if I come again, I will not spare them. Hoo-wee. That's, wait till your father gets home. I think that's where I made the note over here. 
<laughs> right? He is, he is letting them know, just wait till your father gets home. He, and all the way back in chapter 2, you know, the fragrance from death to death and the fra- aroma from life to life. He's talking about what the gospel is. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who are unrepentant, it's death to death. Yeah. Right? And he's like, I've already written the letter. I've already told you what to do, how to write your behavior. And some of you will just keep on sinning. Well, I'm going to have to be a lot stricter than that as he continues. Since you seek proof that Christ is speaking in me, he is not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you. For he was crucified in weakness, but lives by the power of God. For we are also weak in him. But in dealing with you, we live with him by the power of God. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, indeed, you fail to meet the test. I hope that you will find out that we have not failed the test, but we pray to God that you may not do wrong. Not that we may appear to have met the test, but that you may do what is right, though we may seem to have failed. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. Your restoration is what we pray for. You hear that phrase? When we talked about discipline before, what is the purpose of discipline? Restoration, yes. For this reason, I write these things while I'm away from you. And when I come, I may not have to be severe in my use of authority that the Lord has given me for building up and not for tearing down. He references that authority several times in this letter. Uh, I think most recently, like chapter 10, verse 8. And he's like, the apostles and the, and the teachers you know, within the church are given this authority for building up. Please don't make me use it for tearing down, is what he's saying. But in the same instance, right, in order for someone to be resurrected, they must first be dead. Yeah. Right? Fill in the blank. I think, did I do that? Yeah. Fill in the blank. And in order to put up a new structure, the old structure must first be torn down. You got the idea right over there. Your restoration is what we think. Right? Oh, yeah, he'll talk about excommunication. It's not the first time he's brought up excommunication either. He brought it up in 1 Corinthians, the guy with uh, who, who was having his mother-in-law. Yeah, yeah, and all that. Mm -hmm. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you all. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. As he closes over here, what are the two main purposes of 1 Corinthians again? First Corinthians, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was unity. Unity and uh, and answering questions. And here's all answers all the questions you have, right? So we have unity, right? Second Corinthians four six or seven. For God who said, "Let light shine out of darkness," who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the no- light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Paul closes gently because the surpassing power doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God, exactly. And I bring that up because the two main themes here are the surpassing power belongs to God. So come together for the sake of unity. Because that's what he closes his letter with. And the reason he closes his letter so gently, it's like, well, guys come together or, or don't. But the surpassing power belongs to God. And not and not, not not just to us, but not to these false teachers as well. Either. Yeah, like he's ending it in peace. Yeah, well God's will is gonna be done regardless. Right. <laughs> right? Right. Yep. Right. Well oh. we, we know that. Mm-hmm. And we'd love to have you along to, 
I won't say how long for the ride, but you, you kind of get the idea. We'd love to have you in, in good operating order. We'd love to have you in line. We'd love to have you unified as the body with Christ as the head. Because if not, like you said, there's the yeah, dealt with severely point, in the moment, but there's it. also the dealt with severely in the end, right, when the day comes. So as a, uh, you kind of have to think of it as, as a parent, where's, where's the line? It's very far, but when there's a line where your, your child just keeps not listening, you kind of think of like those Jerry Springer episodes and stuff. You know, <laughs> like, where's the line? I sent you to the military school. We had you a night in juvie. Yet, you know, where, where is that line? That line is very, 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 very far. But God says eventually there is that line. Like, you keep running for me and I keep pursuing you, but you keep. But when you're, when you're persistent, you're unrepentant and you never turn towards me, you know. But Paul's but Paul saying the surpassing power belongs to God. So. He allows them to harden their hearts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all we have for that. Look, we made it! Yay! Yay. Let's close it. We got it. I know. <laughs> Put our heads together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these two letters to the Corinthians uh, that Paul writes to. But Lord, it's, it seems like it's writing it to us today. Um, so many of these things, Lord, we could despair at the things that we haven't overcome and the things that are still issues today. But Lord, in our sense of uh, we despair, we realize our weakness. And our weakness, um, we see in these jars of clay, your surpassing power. And Lord, your power is made perfect in weakness. And your grace is certainly sufficient for us. Allow us to rely upon you. Rely upon that grace. Always lean upon you. And uh, when the day comes, Lord, we will just celebrate you through in paradise. So thank you for joining us together as your church, as your people, as your body, um, as we study your word. Pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you have any questions or comments, email them to podcast at gracepocatello.org. And make sure to subscribe to our channel to stay up to date on sermons and classes at Grace Lutheran Church in Pocatello, Idaho. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go.